Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. I was too busy dusting off all of the awards I received for Bebop Tales Season 1. The Oscar, the Emmy, the Congressional Medal of Honor, two Grammy Awards, two Canadian Grammys, also known as Crammys, two Mexican Grammys, also known as Mammies, and 35 People's Choice Awards for Best Male Vocalist. It's a lot of work keeping all these awards clean, and unfortunately, I've had to move all of Jonathan's clothing and furniture out onto the sidewalk to make room for my trophy case and art refrigerator. It's the price of success. Now, where were we? Ah, yes. Bebop Tales 2, Electric Bebaloo. If you remember what happened at the end of the last season, I had been sucked into a portal in hot pursuit of the Baron Von Messingham, an evil warlock who, until I came along, terrorized my whole planet. Many of you have asked whether I came straight to Earth, or as I call it, podcast planet, from my home planet, but unfortunately, no. I had many adventures before them, portal hopping into various dimensions, and that is what we are going to cover this season. Now, it's been a business before we start. Last season, my Jonathan impression needed a lot of work, and I kept accidentally calling him Jonathan Messingham. But I've had months now to practice, so here we go. Hi, I'm Jonathan Messenger. Hello, I'm Jonathan Messenger. Hey, everybody, it's Johnny Mess here. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hi, I'm Messathan Jonaham. What? I swore I'd never do that again. Okay, wait. Oh, it seems to be working. Great. There. Okay, now, without further ado, here is the first episode of Bebop Tales 2. Don't step on my blue laser shoes. The thing no one ever tells you about interdimensional space is everything. Literally, no one can tell you anything about interdimensional space because no one's ever been there before. No one except Baron Von Messingham and now... Our hero who goes by many names, Tiny, Bebop, President Wanatron. Whatever your preferred name for our mechanical hero, the one thing we know is that only he and the evil Messingham know what lurks in the space between places, between time, between universes. And it turns out, what lurks in interdimensional space is worms. Lots and lots of worms. Ugh, it was disgusting. When he was pulled out of Messingham's apartment through an interdimensional portal, Bebop thought the place in between dimensions would be all bright lights and fireworks and laser shows, but it wasn't. It was filled with big, fat, blue, slimy worms with big suction cup mouths and no discernible eyes. Oh... 
So this is why they call them wormholes. Am I right, guys? The worms didn't say anything. Nothing. Not even a chuckle. No discernible eyes and no discernible senses of humor. Bebop wasn't sure what to do with himself. He was floating so he couldn't walk, and the floating worms all around him didn't seem in a particular hurry to move in any one direction. So he couldn't follow them. Messing him! Yelled Bebop. Where are you? We're not finished here. But apparently they were because there was no response. So Bebop couldn't even chase Baron von Messingham into the next dimension. Bebop noticed one worm that looked a little different than the others. It wasn't the same dark blue, but instead had almost candy cane-like stripes of green and yellow, and it was moving quickly through the fog. Bebop felt drawn to the green and yellow worm, and he yelled out to it. Hey, hey, can you help me? But the worm didn't respond. Bebop began paddling his arms and legs, almost swimming through the fog, and was able to reach out and lay a hand on the worm. Immediately, he felt different. A connection with this strange creature. Mechanical one, you are a stranger here. Do you seek my help? Bebop felt like the voice was inside his head. Are you lost, tiny one? I am. I mean, I am lost, but I don't really consider myself tiny. Bebop put both hands on the worm who began carrying him through the fog. How come you can talk, but none of these other worms would give me the time of day? We communicate through touch. You have to reach out and touch one of those worms. Gross. But Bebop was curious, so he reached out and put a hand on one of the blue pulsing worms as it passed by. Don't touch me. Yeah, they hate that. Well, you could have warned me. Bebop put both of his hands on the bright worm and sat on its back, his weight sinking into the squishy flesh. It was gross, but beggars can't be choosers when you're in the world between worlds and you need a ride out of there. So, where are we going exactly? Wherever you wish. I am a longitudinal outer world lorry. Yay! A what? A longitudinal outer world lorry. Yay! I'm sorry, but say that one more time. Longitudinal outer world lorry. Yay! I think I know what some of those words mean. You can just call me Lowly for short. And what does your name mean exactly? I'm a lorry, a taxi cab, essentially, through this, the outer world, and I take you up and down longitudinally to other dimensions. And what's up with that last part? Oh, well, most interdimensional travelers are happy to see me, so they say, Yay! Okay, lowly worm. Can you take me to the Messingham dimension? Hmm, I'm not familiar with that one. Mostly, I just open the doors that appear in front of us, and you can choose to pass through or not. And at that moment, Bebop saw another portal, the light of it piercing the fog, 
open in front of them. Should we go through? The only way to know if a path is the right one is to take it. You are pretty deep for a worm. I know. Hold on tight. The portal opened wide and Bebop could feel himself being sucked through it. Both hands on lowly as they passed through and... Bebop was back on a mountain, just like Baron's Mountain. Only this time, it was covered in skyscrapers as far as the eye could see. Cars flew above his head and he stood on a roadway, alone once again. This is weird, said a voice behind him. Bebop turned but didn't see anyone. He slowly rotated, afraid someone would hop out again. Don't you think this is weird? Bebop screamed as the voice seemed to be right in his ear, and then he realized there was something on his shoulder. Something small, slimy, green, and yellow. It was lowly. Sorry, I didn't know you were going to be here with me. Well, how else were you going to get back? Good point. Yeah, 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 said a robot, walking up to them. It was a perfect sphere, with one eye in the center and tiny arms and legs sticking out. A talking worm. Everybody's got to have one now, am I right? Excuse me, said Bebop. I'm really sorry to ask this, but where are we exactly? Ah, jeez. You're going to make me go through it all? Another Jamoke with a worm on his shoulder thinks he can just waltz in here and demand answers. Okay, listen up, Jamoke. You are in the year 3031. Robots rule everything. Disco is popular again. And everybody wears laser shoes, okay? Welcome. Now, I am a time police officer, and you two are in violation of time code 486. Traveling without a time passport by means of magic, specifically a longitudinal outer world lorry, yay. Am I right? Well, that is how we got here, but we don't know anything. Okay, that's it. That's all I needed to know. We are sending you right back. Wait, said Bebop. Send us back to where? To the interstitial space-time where you and your talking worm, yay, can go someplace else. Bebop looked down and saw that the police officer was wearing on his feet shoes that looked as though they were made of light, bright blue with red streaks, the most beautiful shoes Bebop had ever seen before. Wait, before you send us back, we're looking for an evil warlock. That's a bit redundant if you ask me. Right, okay, well this evil warlock's name is Baron Von Messingham. Have you heard of him? Messingham, you say? Yeah, he's about this tall, wears a cloak, is kind of rude. He has really bad personal hygiene, lots of flies buzzing around him. Are are you kidding me? Do I know who the Messinghams are, Yejamoke? This whole place is owned by the Messingham family. The Messinghamily. Messinghamily, great. Then we can track him down. Oh, they don't actually live here. They just bought the place. you telling me you traveled across time and space and you don't even know what town you're in? Listen, you're in Messingham Ham, man. Get with it. Messingham Ham. And come to think of it, if you're an enemy of Messingham, you had better come with me. Great. Yes, take us to him so we can end this once and for all. I'm not taking you to him yet, Jamoke. I'm taking you 
to time jail. What? The time cop was already approaching. Time to go, yelled Loli, and he opened another portal, and Bebop and the worm jumped through back into the fog. Phew, said Bebop. I thought I was going to be put into a time prison forever. I know. Those things are nuts. They can even keep me from opening a portal. Get back here. Time cop! Bebop and Loli soared through another portal and ended up in the middle of a purple ocean, standing on the smallest island they had ever seen. What's happening? said Bebop. How is he following us? I don't know! yelled Loli. A portal opened, and the time cop appeared on the island. It's the laser shoes, the Jamoke. They can open portals to anywhere. Bebop and Loli ducked back into the interstitial world. Quick! said Loli. Before he... You're under arrest. The time cop was back. Bebop and Loli began hopping from dimension to dimension, followed by the police the entire time. In one, they were in the belly of a giant beast. In another, there was just words. When Bebop looked at Loli, rather than seeing a worm, he just saw W-O-R-M, worm. In another, they were locked in a van on top of a dam. Still, the time cop pursued them. Finally, they landed in a swampy dimension. Bebop was neck deep in the swamp, hiding in the reeds, Grit between his teeth, courage between his ears. Lowly leaped off his shoulder and clung to the top of one of the reeds. As they awaited the time cop, Bebop could feel the moisture of the swamp seeping into his body. But he stayed focused. He dipped his head into the water as he heard the time cop slowly make his approach. He peered through the murk and saw the light of the police officer's shoes. Bebop was just inches from the time cop now, who couldn't see him under the water or see Loli camouflaged in the reeds. Bebop shot out of the water and yelled, Now, Loli! The worm opened a portal over half of the time cop. And before the time cop knew what was happening, Bebop grabbed his laser shoes and tugged them off. The time cop robot fell off balance into the portal. I'll get you, Yajamo! and Loli shut it behind him. The little worm jumped on Bebop's shoulder as Bebop cracked the shoes in half to be sure they couldn't be traced. Loli opened another portal. Ready for your longitudinal outer world, Lori? Bebop looked at his friend and said, Yay! Bebop Tales Bebop Tales, hiding in swamps with cat and nine tails. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales. Okay, so true confession time, listeners. I didn't actually invent laser shoes as I said I did. Instead, I stole them off of a time cop, which... I think you'll agree, is just as cool as inventing them. Okay, so that's episode one, and as you know, we had a couple of weeks delay in getting this episode out, so we got a lot of art in the meantime, so I'm going to run through that art right now. I want to say thank you to eight-year-old Lonnie from Orlando, Florida, Beatrice and Cecilia from Athens, Georgia, Colin, Finn, and Liam from Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, five-year-old Sophia from Massachusetts, six-year-old Lindsay from New York City, 
four and a half year old Jack from Silver Springs, Maryland, August from Menlo Park, California, Tej, who's six and a half, Alana, who's eight from Cardwell, Montana, Mitchell, who's six, and Dean, who's eight from Cedar Park, Texas, Julian, who's four from Brooklyn, New York, Olivia, who's seven from Boston, Massachusetts, Conrad, who's eight from Golden, Colorado, Henry, who's six from San Francisco, Freya, who's six from Evanston, Illinois, Caden, who's eight from Orlando, Florida, George, who's seven from Charlottesville, Jeremy from Dubai and the United Arab Emirates, Quinn, who's five from Boise, Idaho, Delilah, who's six in Cosmo, who's three from Portland, Oregon, sister and brother, Sadie and Ollie from New York, six-year-old Liam Claybrook, and Alex, who is five from New Zealand. Thank you all so much for all of the delicious art. Okay, now, Time for some jokes. So Jonathan set a challenge to listeners last week to finish a joke that he started. He needed you guys to be funny for him. Now you know how I feel. So we got a few ideas from listeners. So the setup for the joke was a robot and an alien walk onto a spaceship. And the robot turns to the alien and says, okay. So first we have from Lucia, who's 10 years old. Her joke is, a robot and an alien walk onto a spaceship, and the alien says to the robot, do you have any idea how to fly this thing? (laughs) That's great. All right, and then Micah, her eight-year-old brother, said, a robot and an alien walk onto a spaceship, and the alien says to the robot, start this ship already, you tin can. (laughs) Wait wait a second. Tin can. I don't know how I feel about that one, Micah. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Thank you so much for making up that joke. Okay, and then we have a joke from Nahar who is six in Arlington, Massachusetts. My name is Nahar. I live in Arlington, Massachusetts. I'm six years old and I know what the punchline is. A robot and alien walk onto a spaceship. The robot turns to the alien and says, are you feeling well? The alien replies, yeah, why do you ask? The robot says, you're looking pretty green. Get it? You're green when you're sick. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) That is an amazing robot laugh, Nahar. Thank you for that. And then we have father and son team, Craig and Adam from Chicago. This is Craig and Adam with a joke. So a robot and an alien walked into a spaceship, and the robot turned to the alien and said, Beep, boop, beep, boop. And the alien said, (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that hysterical? <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that is hysterical. Thank you guys so much. Next week, we'll be playing more listener jokes. So if you've submitted a joke before, have no fear. We will get it on there. I'm not like Jonathan. I don't forget anybody. I also want to give a shout out to Griffin Sound Club member Julian, who's seven years old from Homewood, Illinois. He made the sound for when Loli and I were in the interstitial world. Thanks, Julian. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you next week for more. Be-